Welcome to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. At Victory, we value love in action through growing, connecting, serving, and giving. We work to show God's love and share His truth as we love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ together. Here's this week's sermon by Pastor Terry Green. If you have a Bible, uh, hopefully you do, you can turn to Matthew 21. We'll be in Matthew 21 and Luke 19. And we'll eventually get there. But uh, do, do you ever something that you long for, something that you yearn for? You know, when, when I was a little boy, I thought it was the weirdest thing in the world. There were girls that I knew that were friends of mine, and they were already talking about what their wedding was going to be like. When they were little girls, they just looked forward to that. And, and uh, I have had friends who longed to enjoy that and never got to experience that. Um, so they, they missed out, but they were anticipating and then it didn't happen. And then uh, I, as, a, as a young boy, the thought of thinking about a wedding, just, you know, I didn't even like going to my aunt's wedding when I was a little boy. I, I wanted my parents to just drop me off at McDonald's and pick me up afterward. Actually, I didn't because there wasn't McDonald's back then. But, uh, I, uh, I, but the, the nation of Israel had a longing, and it was a nationwide longing. They had this yearning, this desire, and it was something that they were raised with. They were taught this. When they got to be really old and they knew the end of their life was soon, they were probably praying, Lord, come back quickly so it's still in my lifetime. As we anticipate the second coming of the Lord, they anticipated the first coming. They anticipated the coming Messiah. And so about a thousand years before Christ, King David ruled in Israel. And uh, he did not control all of his passions, as we know. Uh, The people felt he was both a good king and a godly king. And God himself had high praise for David. What did he call David? A man after after his own heart. A man pursuing God's heart. David messed up sometimes, but he was pursuing the heart of God. He was after the heart of God. And David's son Solomon led Israel to even greater glory than David did. And all of their enemies were cowered cowered before Israel because David and Solomon were were so mighty. And then when Solomon died, his son Rehoboam was a terrible king. He wasn't ready for it. He led to the division of the nation of Israel to the north and the nation of Judah to the south. It would be like if, if Arizona separated Uh, You you cut everything off just north of Casa Grande, and then we would now be in southern Arizona and Phoenix, and all those people would be in the northern part of Arizona. That's how Israel split up and divided, and ten tribes became the nation of Israel, and um, the area, land area of Judah and Benjamin became the nation of Judah. And uh, then in 1 Kings 14, it reports that Shishak, king of Egypt, raided the southern kingdom of Judah and took away all the gold from the temple. That was about 925 B.C. 
And Israel had ongoing battles then with the Syrians and Arabs and Ethiopians and Philistines and a series of kings. Some of those kings were good kings. Some of those kings were not so good kings. And, and they had lots of issues going on. Some were very self-indulgent and unspiritual. And a very few of them were good. Kind of like politicians today, it seems like. Uh, Israel had ongoing battles going on. And there were prophets like Elijah and Elisha. And they would call people back to God. And they would encourage people to worship the one true God in the right way. But they still seemed to, to uh, keep drifting away. About 722 BC, Assyria then conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. And the nation of Babylon later conquered Assyria. Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah were defeated by the Egyptians at the Battle of Megiddo about 609 BC. Just a few years later, Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon would come in and conquer Judah in 586 BC. In 538 BC, after conquering Babylon, Cyrus the Great, king of the Medo-Persian Empire, allowed the Jews to return to Israel and to rebuild the temple. And then in 459, Ezra, the Jewish priest, led 5,000 Jews from Babylon to Jerusalem. 459 BC, before Christ. They've changed it now, it's before the common era. But, um, uh, and then in 445 BC, Nehemiah returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. And 400 BC, the Old Testament was completed, about 400 BC. And then people were still longing for the glory days. So from the days of King David, uh, it had been 500 years of turmoil and change and loss, and then they'd been longing for the Messiah. And then for 400 years, they heard nothing from God. The faithful ones were still praying and longing for the Messiah, and they were waiting. And uh, the Greek general, Alexander the Great, conquered the Persian Empire and ruled over Israel starting in 332 B.C., and then Israel was conquered by Egypt again, and there was a series of wars, the most famous being the Maccabean Revolt in uh, about 167 to 160 BC. And in 146 BC, the Romans defeated the Greeks, and in 63 BC, Pompey the Great was sent to Israel to stop a revolt. There was a, an insurrection, half of Israel and, uh, fighting against the other half, and, and so they established Roman garrisons in Israel. But going back before King David, back to the beginning of the glory days of Israel, there were prophecies of the Messiah who would come. We find that first prophecy in the book of Genesis. And then there were more prophecies going all through the Old Testament. And they were longing for a conquering king. Now, some of the prophecies talked about a suffering servant. We had some that we had up here earlier. Some talked about a, a suffering servant who would come. And some talked about a conquering king. Guess which prophecies they liked best? The conquering king one. That's what they wanted. And that's what the rabbis taught. That's what the scribes taught. And that's what the people heard about the most. This, this is the way it was going to be. And so they 
like this. They focused on this. In fact, there's a passage of scripture that, that talks about this in Isaiah chapter 9. And uh, the first verse here is associated with Christmas. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But the very next verse is the verse they liked even better. And that was verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward forever, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This they like. That he's going to come in. He's going to take over. He's going to take names. He's going to uh, rule. And we're going to be free. And we can throw off all of these insurrections that we've endured from Egypt and Babylon and Assyria and, and Greece and Rome. And we can just get rid of all of them. And we will be God's chosen people and the center of God's work on earth. But those weren't the only prophecies. They just liked those better. Now, there's some passages of Scripture you like better than other passages of Scripture. Uh, we, we love the passages of Scripture that talk about our hope in heaven. We're not quite as fond of the one that talked to our, about our need to be disciplined, self-disciplined, and self-controlled. But we don't like those quite as much. We're all in favor of heaven, right? But listen, uh, one of the great prophecies of the Messiah, Messiah rather, was Zechariah 9-9. Uh, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now, donkeys are really stubborn creatures. And if you have one that's never been trained, never been ridden, and it walks exactly where you want it to go. That's because Jesus was there on the donkey, on the colt. And so it now obeyed its Lord and recognized the Lord. Um, the people didn't, but the donkey did. A couple of times in scripture, you find donkeys being way smarter than people. This is one of them. Then there was a prophecy of the, the praise the people would share when they saw their Messiah. Psalm 118 says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so the people were shouting that and they were rejoicing. Now, there was a Jewish tradition when they received a new king or recognized a king that uh, 2 Kings 9.13 talks about each man taking his garment and they'd lay it down in the way so the king could step on that and not touch the ground. And then they were shouting and rejoicing. They showed it. Do I have a map in the PowerPoint? I, I didn't remember whether I added it. We looked at it last year. And I, 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 if it's not a separate slide, then it's not in there. Uh, so uh, I, I, just to show the distance uh, from Jesus coming down uh, toward, through Bethany and Bethpage and then uh, down across the Mount of Olives and down to Jerusalem, we often... We often view cities like the way our cities are, even though Casa Grande itself is a relatively small city. Uh, we, we often think of it as bigger and 
I, I mean, as we, we view Jerusalem as being this big, but cities were a lot smaller in their culture in their day. And uh, so the, the whole city of Old Town Jerusalem was like a half mile square. So it wouldn't even be a, a mile square, just a half mile square. And so it would go from Trekkle down to Colorado and from uh, Cottonwood uh, down to McMurray, and that was it. So, you know, Jeff and Sherry's house would be inside the wall, and the church would be inside the wall, and my house would be outside the wall. And, you know, that's, that's kind of how it was. And so the total distance that Jesus was walking with them and then riding on the donkey was like starting uh, about halfway between here and Central Arizona College and then walking to the church. It wasn't like a 20 or 30 mile walk from Casa Grande to Chandler. Um, but the people were then shouting and cheering in the name of the Lord as he came down that hill and into town. And so Matthew 21 tells us this story. Hosanna to the son of David, they were shouting and cheering. All right, look at Matthew 21. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, that Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the fool of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. That's what disciples are supposed to do, what Jesus commanded them. And verse 7, they brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them, their outer garments, and they laid them on him. And uh, the very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, read the rest of this verse with me, okay? Verse 9. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Now I want you to think about this passage of Scripture. We're going to think about a couple of things from here, then we're going to jump to a parallel passage, which tells the story similarly, but slightly different perspective from, from Luke. And so we'll look there in just a moment. But uh, look in verse 4. It says, all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. So, see, uh, one of the first things we need to remember is that following Scripture was and is very important to Jesus. Amen. Following Scripture was, back then, and is today. So on the screen, I have a picture of one of the old Hebrew scrolls on one half and the Bible on the other half. Because God's desire for us to follow Scripture has not changed. Amen. It's the same from the very beginning. From when Scripture was first written, we were supposed to follow God's Word. Now, we live in a culture that says, we need to update the Bible. 
the Bible's a little out of touch. And, and what the scripture says, you need to update your life so that you're more aligned with the Bible. And, and we need to correct the culture to the word of God, not correct the word of God to our culture. And there's some things that, yeah, we might need to change some things, but we don't change the doctrine that we have from the very word of God. Amen. Now, before church, before the Bible class time this morning, I was talking with some folk, and they have some family members and friends that they hold a view of something that, that we talked about, and we said, you know, that's not in the Bible. So, I, and I made this statement to them. I said, it's okay in their church if they want to do it that way. But they can't say, this is the Bible way. Like, for instance, in our church, we want uh, a guy who's up front preaching, uh, we want him to wear a tie or a suit coat or uh, something like that. Uh, we, tie or a suit coat or both, if you really want to do both. Um, just, you know, tie, forward-facing suit coat, open to the front, not the back. We don't want weirdos up here. <laughs> we're, we're a little gracious on the weird thing, okay? Good thing. But, but you know, it's okay for us to have a rule like that. It's not wrong. I know churches where they want to have a more relaxed atmosphere, and so the preacher never wears a tie. And I had a friend from back when I was in the Marine Corps. He went to this church. He loved it. He said, it's so awesome. Our pastor stands up there in a polo shirt and shorts, and I just feel so comfortable in church. Well, let me tell you something. There's two parts to church, okay? Neither one of them are make people comfortable. The first part is you want to get people to conform to the Word of God. Amen. So you're teaching in a way that will they'll correct their life to God's Word. And the second part is then you want them to go out the door and live it. Amen. And, and so what one preacher said, the, the role of the pastor is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. <laughs> we don't want you to stay comfortable. Now we have pretty comfortable seats and that's fine. It's okay to be a little comfortable physically. Aren't you glad we have air conditioning when we meet here in July? Uh, but, but we don't, the goal of church is not to make you feel good. The goal of church is to teach God's word so you can let God speak into your life and you can correct your life to what God wants. So following scripture is vital. It's very important. In fact, Jesus said he came to fulfill the law, not to do away with it, but to fulfill it. So even to the very words Jesus spoke from the cross, it was aligned with and fulfilling the scripture. You read Psalm 22, you read the story of the crucifixion, the exact same words. Jesus fulfilled scripture while he was dying on the cross. Amen. And he paid the penalty for your sins and mine. Amen. If you have never asked Jesus to be your savior, asked him to forgive your sins, you should do that today. Amen. You need to trust him. In fact, I read a story of a guy who, he was a pastor for 15 years before he got saved. Wow. Because he grew up in a church that didn't teach the gospel, and he wanted to help people. And so he saw the ministry as an opportunity to help people. And so he did that for 15 years before he finally got saved. And then when he came to church and started preaching about the need to trust Christ and, and believe the gospel, the church fired him. 
Because they wanted a guy that made them feel good, not a guy that wanted to make them a little uncomfortable. So it's okay if you know Christ, you're allowed Amen. to be comfortable here, if you're walking with him. But remember, when you come to church, the goal is not to help you feel good about your life. The goal is to help prepare you for the life to come. Amen. So the second thing that we see in this passage is, I mentioned earlier, obedience to the word of God is important to disciples of Christ. Now, if you don't think obedience to the word of God is that important to you, then you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ. See, you can be a believer and not be a disciple. The scriptures actually talk about people who make really poor choices. Demas was one of them. Another one was a pastor called Diotrephes. He made some really poor choices and got rebuked by the Apostle John in 3 John. And so we, we can make bad choices even though we follow Christ, even though we've trusted him. That's why as a church we say our goal is helping people accept and follow Jesus Christ. Because you can accept him as your Savior and then get caught up in the things of this world. Uh, Hebrews 12 says disobedient children are still children of God. But they're disobedient children and God wants us to be obedient so obedience to the word of the Lord is important for disciples of Jesus if you are not committed to try and obey and follow the scriptures then you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ and in fact Jesus never in scripture told people hey just believe in me just believe in me no what he said was follow me Follow me. So we need to be following him. We want people to accept and follow Jesus Christ. All right, now let's turn over to Luke 19. And uh, Luke tells us a couple of things that Matthew didn't include in his part. And before we read it, let, let me just say, it's not that Matthew had one opinion and Luke had another opinion. And so uh, they were arguing over whose opinion would be best. And then the early church couldn't figure out what, what, which one was better, so they just put them both in here. Now, what happened is Matthew was writing to one audience, Luke was writing to another audience. Luke was actually writing this as a personal letter to a man named Theophilus. And he wrote it out. The Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts were written by Luke to Theophilus. They became widespread and spread around to different churches because they were so valuable. But Luke was specifically writing to encourage Theophilus in his faith and belief in Christ, perhaps even to lead him to Christ. Uh, but, but see, Luke's going to include some stuff that's a little bit different than what Matthew did. How many of you have ever been involved in an incident like an accident or something else like that where different people have different things. Roger was a cop, and uh, a good cop, by the way, even though it was in Michigan. You know, <laughs> he was a good cop, there. And, and we know, I mean, Michigan, they really need good cops, right? But, <laughs> but Roger would go to a scene and he'd be talking to people, and if there's six people involved, he would get six different stories. 
and he'd have to sift through and figure out which one was the most accurate about this and that. And part of it is we have differing perspectives. I've said this before, but when I was working at the University of Arizona, I was working in the arid land studies, and the director of arid lands was, was a, a guy a little taller than me, and he told me to go to the airport and to pick up a couple of short Egyptians. Okay, so I'm 6'2", or was then, I'm a little shorter now, that happens. But, uh, I, I, yeah, you know, I'm going to the airport, and I'm looking for two kind of short Egyptians. Now, I'm thinking the average height of American male was 5'6 to 5'8, and so kind of short would be shorter than that, you know? And these guys come off the plane, and I'm holding up their side, and they come up to me. And I've got their name here, and they're looking eye to eye with me. <laughs> And so we get back, and I, I go into the director, and I bring the guys in, and I said, you said they were kind of short. And he was 6'7 or 6'8. He looked at me and said, you're kind of short. <laughs> See, we had a different perspective. So Kathy and I have had that. You know, there, there's times in our house, we used to have a bread box, and she'd say, something was on the bread box. And I'd have to squat down to see above the bread box below the counter up there. And she didn't have to do that. So one day I walked around the whole house at her height. And I was amazed how different things looked. And then I picked her up and I carried her around the house at my height. And she's like, oh, I can see on top of the refrigerator. And, you know, we have differing perspectives. Not only physically by height difference, but we have different perspectives based on our history, based on uh, our training. Uh, and, you know, we have a guy in our church who hurt his foot, and, you know, now he's going to go see Dr. Ed this week. He's going to have an appointment with him. Nobody calls me on the phone and says, My foot hurts. Can I get an appointment? <laughs> Nobody does. But they'll call him. Why? Because he knows what he's doing about feet. So Luke has a different perspective than Matthew. He's writing to a different audience, and certain things that stood out to Matthew, other things stood out to Luke, but it's still God's Word. Amen. It's still inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. They're not in contradiction to each other, they're complementing each other so that we can get a full picture. I didn't belabor that at all, did I? <laughs> I didn't think so. All right, look at verse 39 of Luke 19, verse 39. And some of the Pharisees called to him, Jesus, from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why? Because they're shouting, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They're quoting Messianic scripture about Jesus. And so the Pharisees, they don't like this. They wanted a conquering king. They didn't want Jesus. And, and they, they're, they're angry. Rebuke your disciples. Now, they pretend to respect him, right? They call him teacher or rabbi. And then, but then they tell him what to do. They don't say, rabbi, what should we do? They say, Rabbi, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Because they didn't like the praise that Jesus was getting. So uh, now Jesus then answers them 
in verse 40, but he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Amen. I preached on this passage once years ago, and the title of my message was, Are You Smarter Than a Rock? Because the rocks would cry out and praise to Jesus. See, praise is natural for all God's creation. It's natural. Just reflect on the awesomeness of God. All right, now I'm going to say a bunch of things about God. And then you can respond with praise the Lord, amen, you know, something kind of spiritual. You can say <laughs> hallelujah, even though we're Baptists. Uh, but, you know, what, what I want you to do is just think about the awesomeness of God, and then you can respond to that. But let me finish it before you respond. So uh, don't respond in the middle of the sentence, okay? Just think about who God is. He is eternal. He has always existed and always will. He is completely limitless. Praise God. Uh, secondly, he is infinitely self-sufficient. God has no needs. Amen. You, know, you guys aren't really very good at this. <laughs> a couple of you. A couple of you got it down. Let's, let's see if you can. We're, we're praising our awesome God here today. Okay? Uh, he is omniscient. That means he knows everything, including the end from the beginning. He is wisdom, and all wisdom comes from him. Amen. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. That's why we call him Almighty God. Amen. He is omnipresent. He can be everywhere at the same time. There's no place in the universe that's separated from God except those who reject God's plan of salvation. Amen. He is the awesome creator God who spoke and the universe came into being. Amen. You know, I don't have a dog, but if I did, I doubt if the dog would do exactly what I said. You, those of you who have dogs, some of them are really obedient, some of them not so much. Those of you who have cats, you don't even try and get them to obey, right? <laughs> uh, uh, but he spoke and the universe obeyed. All right, real quickly. He is faithful and true. Amen. He is good. Amen. He is just. Amen. He is loving and merciful. Amen. He is holy. Amen. He is glorious as we will see someday. Amen. Yes. So we praise him because praise is natural for all God's creation. And, and if you think, man, I wish I had been there that day. It would have been so great to see Jesus coming in and being part of those people. You know what Jesus told his apostles? before he ascended up into heaven, it's going to be better for you if I go away. Amen. Because now we have the Holy Spirit and he can be with us everywhere. We have a pastor here from Canada to film his family. And and he's he's from Canada. What, what part of Canada? Saskatoon. Saskatchewan. Now, he said it was like 30 degrees. Sorry? Negative 32 degrees. Gee, I wonder why he comes this time of year. <laughs> so negative 32 there. Well, guess what? When he's up in Canada, the Holy Spirit of God is with him there in his ministry. And he's here with us in our ministry. And Thelma just got back from the Philippines, and he was with her over in the Philippines. When Jesus was on earth, he couldn't be in multiple places at the same time. 
but the Holy Spirit can. And so it's better to be alive today. It's better for us to have the whole revelation of God's word. It's better for us to have the Holy Spirit today. Yes, it would have been kind of cool to see Jesus walk on water, but you would have had to go through the storm to get to that. And so uh, we're, we're blessed today, and don't, don't forget that. We are blessed. All right. Now, the same circumstances produce different responses in people. The same circumstances produce different responses in people. So, you like emojis? I've got a few emojis on. So, in verse number 37, sorry, verse 38, the disciples and many of the people are saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's what the disciples and some of the people are doing. They are praising him. They are praising him. What are the Pharisees doing? They're pouting. They're pouting. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. You know, they're grumpy pants. They're disappointed. They're upset. And then what was Jesus doing? Well, look at verse 41. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. And he describes the judgment that would come upon them. Jesus wept. We find him doing that at the grave of Lazarus. We find him doing it here. We find him actually on the road to his crucifixion, looking out at the people and saying, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves and your children, because he knew what was coming. The same circumstances produce different spiritual results. The difference is not the circumstance. The difference is your heart. Amen. See, those who believed in Jesus, they were praising. They were rejoicing. Those who rejected Jesus, some of those who were praising him ended up rejecting him, but the ones who had already rejected him, they were pouting. They were upset. They were disappointed. And Jesus was looking at the future of those who would reject him. And he was weeping over the city. Now, Tim, can you blank that out? I, I, I just, I don't want the emojis to be up there just for a minute. I, I want you to think about when was the last time you wept over our city? Over the lostness of people in our town? When was the last time it brought you to tears? People who have not yet trusted Christ are already on their way to hell. And if it brought tears to Jesus, it should bring tears to us. Amen. I want to pause just for a moment before we conclude the message. I just want to pray that God will give us a greater heart to reach people for Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your awesome love and grace and mercy. We're so thankful that you sent Jesus to live and 
die in our place, to bear the punishment of our sins on himself on the cross. We're so grateful for that. We're so thankful that he was willing, that he said, not my will, but yours be done. Father, help us to have a burden, a weeping burden for the lostness of people in our community. May you break our heart with what breaks your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And the last thing I want you to think about is that judgment comes to all those who do not trust and follow Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus said in verse 42. We read, um, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close in on you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. Those who have not trusted Christ will face the judgment for their own sin. Those who have trusted Christ, Jesus already paid the penalty for your sins. And you can trust and follow Jesus Christ. And everybody needs to. And only those who do it get to see Jesus in heaven and celebrate it. See, the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And that includes those who are going to be cast into hell. They will confess that Jesus is Lord, but it won't bring joy. It'll be in their condemnation. They will have to admit, I was wrong. I should have trusted him. And so, if you have trusted him, rejoice. Amen. And if you have friends who have not yet trusted him or family members, pray for them. And do what you can to seek to influence them for Christ. It's the only thing that will matter on that day we stand before Him. Now, we're going to conclude our service in just a moment. We're going to sing a song and then we're going to have a special. And, and so before we do that, if you're here today and you have not trusted Christ as your Savior, you've not asked Him to forgive your sins, you need to do that. And so... Um, don't leave until you talk to somebody. You say, well, who should I talk to? Just talk to anybody, okay? And if the person you say, hey, I haven't trusted Christ, what do I do? If they can't help you, show you from scripture, they'll find somebody who can, okay? And, and then uh, pray for one another that God would use us to be an influence for Christ, with people who desperately need to see. Thank you for listening to the Victory Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to know more about Victory, please visit our website at victoryarizona.org. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page or by emailing victory at victoryarizona.org. We'd love to help you accept and follow Jesus Christ.